The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. The latest trends and hottest topics, love and sex, handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800. Coming up at 10.15, Metra Linda Hammerschmidt will be in studio to answer your questions about family law, whether you're going through a divorce, uh, separation, child custody questions, whether you're living with someone and you want to know about a, a kind of contract you need. She is here to give us, all of us, free legal advice. Where can you get that? So we'll uh, we'll talk to Linda after uh, 10.15, but first... Time to check out our inbox. Your calls and texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion now at 514-790-0800 or 514-800. You can also email me anytime, lori at drlaurie.com. So last night was such a fun discussion that uh, it was our dating dilemmas turned around one issue and the text just uh, lit up all over the place, and it was about who pays the bill. I got an email from one of our faithful listeners who sent me some research on this that I wanted to share uh, share with you. So this was research that was done in 2010 that indicates that heterosexual dating scripts remain quite traditional with the man expected to ask a, a woman out and to pay for the date. Their study further revealed that although modern singles believe it is appropriate for either party to initiate a first date, in reality, most men still do. While both men and women express their belief in the appropriateness of either party grabbing the bill, they also both reported that they believe the man should always pay for a first date. So this is men and women believe that men should always pay on a first date, even in modern times. Uh, they also found that men have higher first date sexual expectations than women. They found this to be particularly true when the man pays for the date and when the date takes place at an apartment versus in public, such as a restaurant or the movie. So just remember that about expectations. That came up last night also. They discovered also some more potentially troubling findings when the woman was the instigator. So when a woman invited a man on a date, when she paid for the date, and when she had the date at her apartment, men had higher rape myth acceptance beliefs as compared to dates the man initiated and paid for or where either partner initiated the date and they went Dutch. Uh, so a lot about a lot of it has to do with our thinking about dating and who pays the bill and what these expectations are. So they conclude that false expectations of a woman's sexual responsiveness on a first date based on who pays the bill and where the date occurs has intense practical significance in a day and age where sexual miscommunication leads to awkward situations, compromised friendships. Or worse, from campus sexual assault to situational acquaintance rape, many first dates with mismatched expectations end in disaster, both emotionally and physically. Their advice, first daters, they say, are on unfamiliar territory when it comes to reading a dinner partner's expressed level of romantic interest, because at that early stage of a relationship, they are basically strangers, aren't they? So consequently, perceptions are often incorrect 
Both parties, they say, should move slowly on a first date in order to ensure clear communication, avoid false expectations, and promote healthy relational choices. So thank you so much for uh, sending that in. Very much appreciated. That puts the the science behind the discussion that we had uh, last night. I got another uh, email that says, I have been practicing anal sex with my girlfriend once in a while. I know you mentioned that it's better to use a condom, but I don't like to use and neither does she. Mind you, I use baby oil. But my question is, since we don't have outside sex, is this really a concern? So the answer is no. If both of you are monogamous and you have no outside partners and you've been checked, you can certainly have uh, unprotected sex. I wouldn't recommend the use of baby oil, however, and I would use uh, something like Astroglide or a a silicone-based lubricant or water-based lubricant. Uh, which may, like, I just, there's chemicals in, in, uh, in baby oil. And it, although it sounds, you know, it's, it's for babies. So you'd think it would be pretty natural. It really, it really isn't. And I, I'm not so sure about the, the effect on, uh, on, on inside the body. So I know it smooths the skin on the outside. I'm just not sure about the inside. I know that you should never use that in a vagina. I'm just not 100% sure about the rectum uh, to use baby oil. But there are other options out there that you can buy in the pharmacy. Uh, and usually recommended are the um, silicone-based lubricants, which are more slippery. So you don't want one that dries up. So water-based lubricants sometimes tend to dry up a little faster, whereas the silicone-based ones feel like oil, but they're not oil. And just for our listeners, if uh, if you plan or have used or plan to use baby oil as a lubricant with condoms, don't. You cannot use oil-based anything uh, when you're using a condom. It breaks down the latex and makes the condoms ineffective uh, and very likely to uh, to break and, and, and just disintegrate and, and fall apart. So not recommended. So with condoms, always use either water-based or silicone-based. Uh, that's it. That's what should be use. 514-800, if you have a a question for me about sex, love, relationships, or you want to get in on the action with uh, Maître Linda Hammerschmidt and you already have a question uh, for us about uh, family law, then you uh, you can ask them right now, right here, and they'll be ready to go at uh, 10.15. Another penis question. This is the theme this week, it seems. I have a curved penis problem, and I think it was caused by masturbating a lot. I'm getting married next year, and I'm afraid I will not be able to give my 100% to my wife. Is a curved penis a serious problem? Like, would it harm her and maybe not pleasure her? And also, can I believe in the long-lasting pills on the market that are said to enhance uh, performance? So a two-part question here. So without knowing exactly what kind of curve you have, I'm going to answer this pretty generally. So most penises do have small curves or bends to them. And erections in this case are not painful. They have 
no impact on sexuality. Sometimes with a curved penis, you have to kind of shift around a little bit in order to get into the uh, vaginal canal for penetration, but nothing, nothing major, nothing that can't be fixed, not fixed, but nothing that can't be uh, adjusted uh, during sex. Okay. So you ask about the masturbation. It is possible for masturbation to cause a more uh, significant bend in the penis if you masturbate aggressively and you do cause some internal damage. So you have to think about that. If you pull too hard on your penis, for example, you might tear some of the tissues on the inside. And when those tissues heal, it could cause some internal uh, scarring. And this scarring can make your penis less flexible. But that's called Peyronie's disease. So... Um, Again, if the be- if the bend causes you pain or makes it difficult to have sex, then consult a medical doctor because then there are treatment options that are available. All right, Maître Linda Hammerschmidt is uh, coming up. Your relationships on the line. Connect with Dr. Lori now. 514-790-0800. Passion. News Talk Radio. CJAD 800. Metha Linda Hammerschmidt joins us uh, once a month, the last Thursday of every month. She gives you free legal advice. Where else are you going to get such great advice from one of the best hotshot lawyers in Montreal? Family law attorney Linda Hammerschmidt joins us. Linda, welcome back. Hello. I love to see your pretty face here. Oh, well, you didn't need glasses, apparently. <laughs> oh, stop that right now. Uh, all right. we. If you have questions for Metro Linda Hammerschmidt, please text us at 514-800 or call in at 514-790-0800. So I did get an email in preparation for tonight that I want to share with you. Um, sounds a bit complicated, but and it has to do with some American stuff. So I'm not sure if you'll be able to answer this. I live in the States from here, and I moved there for my husband's career. We have two kids under 14. I have been a stay-at-home mom for 10 years. He cheated and has another woman who he won't leave. So now I want a divorce. He is on a work visa, which allows me to stay as long as we're married. I want to come back to Montreal where all of my support is, but he said I can't leave with my kids. I feel he has all the control. Uh, if we divorce, I'm no longer on his visa I can't and cannot stay. So what do I do? Am I to be his prisoner having to stay married for him? I don't want to keep the children from him, but I have no life in the States. Well, first of all, she can't just come back here with the children. She could be accused of kidnapping under the Hague Convention. That's a whole issue she doesn't want to have to get involved in. Uh, but obviously if they're, if she takes a divorce in the United States where they live and the ultimate end of that is that she's not going to be able to stay in Canada because she's divorced. No, to stay in in the States. Well, that's what I mean. Sorry. It's to stay in the States because she's divorced. Inside of the uh, proceeding in the United States, she should obviously be asking for the permission to relocate to back to Canada with the children, but offer significant access time for the husband right. uh, to his I children, either here or there, mm-hmm. or they meet in the middle or whatever. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how old these children are, uh, but uh, did you say they're this? under 14. Under 14, right. but I mean, they're, they're not, not little. two and no, three. No, no, So either they can probably fly mm-hmm. unaccompanied from one end to the other, so long as there's a parent at both ends, ultimately, right. or some... Uh, responsible 
family member here, if she was coming back here, and it'll be up to the jurisdiction there and how they deal with these kind of things that will set the tone. But if so she uproots and comes, that's a recipe for disaster. Okay, so she's got to petition the courts to say, I have no life here. I can't stay here. I need to... I need to go back home, and I want to be able to take my kids with and me. And I'm assuming from the the lack of information that was in there that she doesn't work there. Right. Doesn't she's work a stay-at-home stay mom. mom. So, right. so all the more reason. I don't know if she's employable here. I don't know what the financial situation of the husband is. Is he extremely rich? Will he be able to, uh, you know afford her a lifestyle commensurate that she has there here? There's mm-hmm. a lot of unknown Okay. Information in there, but but important thing is don't leave with the kids. Okay. Unless unless he was and apparently that's not going to be the case unless she was to get his consent that she could come back here with them. With them. Okay. Do you think in a case like this that mediation would would work? Like when when is it should everybody go through mediation? Or not everybody, because when there's an issue of abuse or something like okay. that, it's it's uh, not, not okay. uh, applicable because obviously one person is in a too vulnerable situation to have a uh, coherent, uh, fair and equitable s- sitting in front of the mediator uh, and will be intimidated, obviously. Uh, but obviously, other than that, yes, one should always try mediation or lawyers can have settlement meetings too it doesn't have to okay. be necessarily a mediator it can be the lawyers themselves are tasked by each party to do what's necessary to settle a file as opposed to run to court, to court and right. fight all over the place so how does uh for people who don't know what mediation is versus what uh, a lawyer does or what have you can you explain that well, there are many different types of mediators uh, here in Quebec. They're accredited. They have to have gone through some courses. They have to have some supervised mediation sessions uh, uh, with under a, 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 a so we'll say a supervisor mm-hmm. tutor type of thing, uh, as I, I did back in back in the year in the eighties. Oh, 80s. so you were? You oh, were yeah, I went me- through oh. all of that. I did that. I was in actually the first wave of of mediators, trained mediators oh, here wow. in Montreal. At the time when I was working at a I law firm, I actually got you. my boss involved <laughs> in the whole thing. And we were taught by uh, Professor John Haynes from the United States, actually. Huh. And uh, I had been on a bar committee uh, t- dealing with the wave of mediation that was coming up from mostly from the States and maybe from the West of Canada. And uh, one thing led to another. And then we got this John Haynes up here and started giving courses. And then he did an advanced course the next year. Anyway, it was quite interesting. Um, All that to say that uh, in the beginning, you know, just about anybody would hang a shingle out saying, I'm a mediator. That's right. Whether it's your urologist or the plumber or whatever, (laughs) before there were any... uh, (laughs) A modicum of rules and regulations. Right. But then there was association formed and there have been rules and regulations set in place so that uh, not anybody uh, simply can say that they are a mediator. That said, we always recommend that the person goes to see a, a lawyer mediator. Not because the lawyer mediator is allowed to take proceedings and uh, give advice and do whatever, but that that they know the law of the divorce and the separation of the family uh, uh, because they've studied that. 
hopefully, yeah. and uh, and are okay. therefore more uh, able uh, to master what is needed to be done and to help the couple come to a resolution. So it's always better to try to resolve your differences instead of dragging yourselves for, Expensive. you know, I was looking at uh, some interesting files the other day and there are people that, you know, t- 10 years of Ugh. back and forth battling. Ugh. I mean, it takes a toll on anybody that just does it for a year. Including uh, the lawyer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the lawyers for sure. But I mean, the parties, it's, you know, right, uh, it's a very stressful time period. Very. And for that to drag on, in some cases, 20 years, I've Ugh. had a file, you know, so... <clears throat> It, it, uh, why would you want to do that if you can possibly avoid it? And even if it's not, you know, what you think that your neighbor said that he or she got in court or whatever, as, as any, uh, a uh, smart lawyer or judge will tell a person if uh, a judgment or a consent is arrived at that neither party absolutely loves, it's usually because it's fair for everybody. Right, right. Nobody, nobody's a winner. Nobody wins. And nobody's right, a loser. And nobody's a loser, right. What happens in a case like the case that we I just read about where it's a stay-at-home mom and the, she has to fight uh and has to use a lawyer and has no money because her money is, is her husband controls the money. What happens in a case like that? Well, yeah, but you're talking about somebody that was in the United States? Well, whether it's... Because up here, if she has no money, then hopefully she could at least apply for legal aid. and uh, Or she can find a lawyer who would uh, attempt to file a motion for what we call a provision for costs, which is to have the other side when there's an imbalance in the uh, incomes of the parties to have to pay towards the legal fees of the other side. But that's not a gift. Given, okay. it, it's a request. You have to prove that there's a need. You have to prove the other person can afford to pay both uh, their own lawyer and your lawyer, in a sense. I mean, you know, wow. it's like if you're both earning uh, $20,000, don't expect to get a provision for cost. But if one's earning 100 and the other's earning zero, you they're going to be called to contribute. Not, it, not necessarily 100%, though, either. Okay. And it, is that the same in the States? It would work the same well, way? Well, I'm sure they have legal aid there, but uh, what the specifics of their system and family law uh, mm-hmm. to get towards like that, I don't know. And so if you get married in one place, you can, when the divorce happens, you file no matter wherever you live. It doesn't matter how long you've lived there. Well, that's not true because, and I speak for here only, not Mm -hmm. for everywhere else, but you can't just, for that person, for example, from the United States, cannot run up here and take a divorce action. They have to be a resident here for a year in order to take a divorce. That's part of the Divorce Act. Okay. So you have to have that qualification, which is why when you run up here, you're going to end up being served sooner than later by the husband, divorce proceedings from the states, and you're going to have to go back there anyway. So instead of having that back and forth sort of a thing, you should get it done at least there and, and try to get uh, permission to move. Just as if you were here, for example, even if you're in Ontario, uh, if that person was in Ontario and wanted to come back here because the family was from here, they can't just pick up and move from Ontario to here without asking the courts there where they're living right. for the right to leave with the children. They can right. leave by themselves. 
Right. But, but not, if there's children involved, you can't just, they're not sofas, as I always say. You can't just pack Very it up in, in the uh, Meldrum the Mover thing or uh, <laughs> and the U-Haul and uh, cart yourself down the 401. That's absolutely true. Um, let's, Maître Linda Hammerschmidt is in studio, uh, ready to answer your legal questions, your family law questions. 514-800 to text in, or you can call in at 514-790-0800. So we were talking about where to divorce and everything. What about, you, you often hear things like, oh, I'm going to go get a quickie divorce in uh, the Bahamas or I don't know where people go for what does that even mean? <laughs> Vegas was used or, to be the thing. Well that right? was the quickie marriage I don't know if it's a quickie divorce but what, what's the quickie divorce? What does that mean? Well there are no quickie divorces in that sense because uh, you have to always follow the norm just like if you're getting married to get divorced you have to follow the norm of the, the divorce rules in the place that you are now for example as I said people who think that they live in, I don't know, Nebraska, and they decide they want to come and have a quickie divorce in Montreal. They're no. not residents here. Right. So they couldn't get And there's no place here. in the world where you could do that? Well, I'm not I, saying that there's no place in the world, but that doesn't mean that the quickie divorce there is going to be validated where here. you live, one, okay. and two, or it's just you can be divorced but not having settled your all the what we call accessory mm. measures, such as who gets the house, who keeps the car, who gets the portfolio, who has to pay who what etc right you need all so there's one thing to say you're no longer married and there's another thing about what's (laughs) happening with everything that you had while you were married exactly uh maitre linda hammerschmidt answers your legal questions more of those questions coming up after we check in with our cjd 800 newsroom the following program contains mature subject matter listener discretion is advised straight talk that's all inclusive Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. Metro Linda Hammerschmidt is in studio to answer your legal questions. We've got Anthony on the line. Hi, Anthony. Hi. Hi. Ladies. Hi, you? Anthony. I have a question for the, for the lawyer. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I, I, from what I'm understanding, in order to get a proper divorce, you the, the the two the, the married couple must be separated for a period of time. Is that right? Well, ultimately, to get the divorce uh, judgment down the road, you have to be separated for a year. But that doesn't mean that you have to be out of the house for that period. People don't, you know, stay in the same bedroom necessarily, and. One can say that one hasn't had uh, conjugal relationships for a certain period, so the year can zoom by more quickly than yeah. what one usually ca- <laughs> calls a 12-month period. Right. Now, say if I was to meet with an attorney, right, and and um, let's say the the wife had moved out, there's no con- – there's no – Anyway, there's nothing there. So she had moved out, and uh, let's say she moved out, let's say, uh, a couple of weeks. Then I meet with my attorney, uh-huh. and then I would. Then he's going to ask me, well, how long have you been apart, or how long have you been separated? Now, we have been, uh, let's say, separated. She moved away, let's say, a week ago. Yeah, but before but, she moved out, were you still having uh, relationships? Well, I'm sorry. Were you having sex? Is what Lori wants to know. Were you still having sex in the last year? Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty much, yeah. Well, before the she moved out a week ago. Yeah, we we yeah definitely. 
This yeah. is, well, I'd go from the last see, time see, of that the until. The sex was not an issue. No, it, that's right? not what we're saying. No, but we're, it is an issue for getting divorced. So from the date that you last had sexual relations with your wife before she moved out would be the date I would tell your attorney. Is the start of the separation. Oh, I see. But if I want to speed up the process and just simply say she moved out five years ago. Yeah, but she must know when she moved out. You can't just well, lie. Yeah. You and can't lie. Well, just yeah. pay for the divorce then. You just have to pay, right? Are there more costs? Like if you no, have It's not a question of paying. It's a question of you have to actually supposedly tell the truth well, or you have well, to yes. frame the, the paragraph in a certain bent. way that... The truth is always bent and it's been proven in every courtroom. Well, I'm sure so, your lawyer can handle that for you. Well, we'll see because I'm just wondering now. You know, to speed up the process, I'll simply say, listen, we've been apart for five years. Um, you want to speed uh, up the process, you can just say she uh, physically assaulted you. Okay, that's yeah. a, and, and that would we're, be a big we're lie. We're going somewhere else now. No, <laughs> Please not, don't. That's I, not good then advice. I'd look like a real, then I'd look like a real gentleman if that was the case. Yeah, no. But hold on. I, I have a question for that, though. If you wanted to speed up a divorce, are you able to speed up a divorce by paying for something? No. That you're not? No, it, no, no you matter what? It, there's no monetary. If you an extra hundred bucks, you can get divorced <laughs> uh, two weeks faster. No? no. Okay. It has to be based on a certain uh, items. Adultery could be one that if the other person is going to admit to it or theoretically, if you have proof, nobody really cares about that because by the time all the monetary aspects have been settled it's been a year and so okay. that year so separation basically see what's happened is you know like uh, we have together, I think by uh, the time this phone calls over Anthony you will have uh, uh, eclipsed that one year well, no, well what's your question Anthony I'm like getting lost here in your in what you're asking okay, well see like she, she she basically abandoned us because our child is artistic basically ah. so she said, see you later, I'm out of here, I can't, I can't deal with this. Okay, well. So, so I, I just want to say, like, you know, you have to wait that one-year period, like you said. But you don't so have I to was, wait the one year to start the proceedings. No, no, I mean, I mean to, to end, to get a judgment. Correct. All right, in order to get a judgment. You have to wait uh, a year. Can, you have to wait a year, but I don't want to wait that year. I'll simply sit tell my attorney. She's been gone for five years. And yeah, but, but, but she, can. her and her lawyer could a, end up, can, Anthony, either you listen to us and the advice or you don't listen to us and you but just you tell your lawyer finish. what you want. Just let me finish quickly. I tell my attorney it's been five years and she, and she agrees to that. She tells that to her attorney. Uh, so you both lie so that you all say it's been five years. That's what you're yeah, saying? This way here, we get a judgment with under a year. Well, go with God. <laughs> well, does it work? Only, uh, you know. If you don't I, get caught. I suppose, yes. I certainly can't counsel you to do that. But, I mean, you know, no, maybe I, your lawyer I, is, well, uh, my lawyer wouldn't will believe what whatever you tell him. My lawyer would never know. Well, there you go. You're Okay, she Anthony, clearly you, you do what you want to do, but... But tell your lawyer whatever you want to tell him, and that's it. Or, that's, or yeah. you find one of the other reasons besides separation for more than a year to get divorced. Yeah, you can ask for those other reasons, too. There are others. Thank you very much for your call. Uh, Mary, hi. Welcome to the show. Wait, hi. hi. Uh, good evening. Hi, Mary. Um, okay, so uh, thank you for uh, listening to my, my question. Well, um, I got officially uh, divorced uh, last October, the 15th. Okay. okay. 
And um, this week I, I received, I wasn't, I wasn't at home. It was my son who was at home. And we received, uh, um, you know, an envelope by a bay leaf. Uh, nothing is written on the envelope. Uh, um, and he just, uh, so the bailiff um, gave him that. And I was wondering if uh, legally talking if it's um i must uh, i must do uh you know a follow-up of that if well i don't know what was in the envelope well i didn't uh I you didn't haven't opened it yet it, no not yet uh-huh because, I, because um well that could be bad because who knows what it is and somebody could be uh no offense suing you it doesn't have to be about your divorce it could be something else and you, uh, no, you... no i'm sure i'm sure it's i'm sure it's that you know it's because uh uh, Maybe well, it's a copy of your judgment. Maybe it's a certificate well, of divorce from Ottawa. Well, Maybe it's it a bill from been, your lawyer. I don't know. You, you t- well, you think it would have been uh, have been served by uh, you know by a bailiff? I don't know. I can't I guess. But all so. I can tell you to do is you should open it. Right. Okay. But uh, legally, it's like uh, if a bailiff do- uh, gives uh, give uh, an envelope to uh, to a family net member, it's it's considered like if it would be you who take that. Normally speaking, yes, they will say that they okay. left it with a person who regularly lives there. I don't know. Was was I, your was your child two years old or was he no, like? No, no, he's an adult. You know, oh well, then it's 22. it's and if he lives there with you, yes. Well, yes. then it's valid. Okay. So okay, you, go so open you it. Might as well open it. So Mary, open it Boy. now. Pour yourself a glass of wine. Open. Get in a bubble bath <laughs> and open it. And then you can call us back if you have questions about it. Okay. <laughs> okay? So Don't okay, panic. Just okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> we may hear back from Mary again. Yeah, <laughs> quick. Tonight. Go open it now. Call us back. That's right. We want to know you what's have in time, there. Mary. <laughs> Oh my goodness. 514-800. One thing. One I, thing is absolutely sure not opening mail can get you in more trouble than yes, opening the mail. That's right. If you're upset about opening mail at a certain time, wait till the morning. Don't yeah. open it at night, then you won't sleep. Have right. a good night's sleep and then deal with it. You'll be able to face it. And it could be it's just a certificate of divorce because if it was on the 15th, I'd be a little fast for the certificate, but it could be a, a copy from the court of the judgment. Which would come is, through bail. Well, sometimes. Sometimes the lawyer could send it. You know, right. so that the person has it or they want to make sure. Right. I don't know what is in the judgment. Mm-hmm. So if somebody has to do something. Normally one wants to serve the judgment to make sure the person is aware of their obligations. Of course, if they never open it, that doesn't mean you're not near. You're, 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 it's like, oh, I see. No, I don't excused. see it. I, right. Yeah, exactly. I see nothing. I hear nothing. Then you're in then a uh, Colonel Clink episode. But anyway. Right. Yes, so. that's true. That's not. Gil- that, and then Hogan's you, Heroes. That isn't a, an excuse just because you well, haven't. Listen, opened or seen it that I had a file sorry, once where the husband brought a bag full of mail from a whole never year. been opened no, never opened but, oh, you know, gee. but but it could be other important documents right. from somebody else about a credit who knows as this texture writes all I can say is oy vey. <laughs> More with Beth well and Linda Haverschmidt. Uh, coming up, you still have time, so if you have questions about family law, 514-800. It's Sex Out Loud, and you're welcome to listen in. Passion on CJAD 800. Metro Linda Hammerschmidt here to answer your family law questions. I would like to know, what are the grounds for an annulment and how to proceed? 
An annulment. Well, they're more difficult than getting a divorce, quite frankly, because you really have to prove that, you know, there was a, uh, and again here I'm, I apologize because I went to French University, a vista consentement, so an error of consent, shall we say, mm-hmm. in uh, the person you were marrying. I don't know, were they a con artist? Or, oh, right. Or uh, like I, an I, identity that was false, let's say. Perhaps, okay. yes, or mm-hmm. something, or they made themselves out to be they were, you know, uh, uh, you know, they have no criminal record or whatever, and had you known, but you also have to prove that had you known whatever the problem was, that you still wouldn't have gotten married. Married, right. It's not just because, uh, oh, this person is a horrible husband or wife that now I want an annulment. That That's, you know, that's a divorce. <laughs> right. And uh, sometimes it's, uh, you know, can be applied, I suppose, to somebody who, shall we say, is like, I like to call them mail order spouses, mm-hmm. you know, and that they're was a correspondence that this is who I am and it's sort of again the right. you know false representations of who they are it's very difficult to get and for religious reasons nowadays somebody says they were he had a person adds they were sort of forced by their mom what how do you get well, an like arranged forced. marriage, I oh, would assume, in religious uh, cultures, I guess. Uh, but it depends on how much time has gone by mm-hmm. <laughs> since the forcing. I mean, if it was, uh, you know, within the last year, if it was 20 years ago, um, right. not so much. So, again, it's a question of a fact pattern and... Uh, yeah, they say arranged marriage. Arranged marriage, but mm-hmm. then why would you just not want to be divorced unless you want... I mean, I don't know Unless if you want to be able to marry in one year, one year ago. One year ago. Mm-hmm. They arranged marriage one year ago. Well, it might be, depending on exact facts of, of uh, the situation and how it evolved. And, I mean, nobody, I presume, held a gun to their head. But I can understand that there are families exert pressure uh, that somebody feels incapable of, uh, you know, refusing. Mm. But... It's difficult. It's difficult. I have gotten one or two in my day, but then, you know, and then it was a question of putting things back. You have to be able to put things back as much as possible the way they were before, like, for example, gifts and Mm -hmm. and, uh, the engagement ring and whatever. If if children popped out, that's a little harder to, you know, put back. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's a whole other thing. But I have had a situation where I've seen, I've seen that happen in in an arranged marriage situation that was falsely. And certainly I suppose uh, still in this day and age, there's an arguments that can be made, uh, uh, for being able to marry in the church, right. for example, and you have, but you can get dispensation even if you're divorced from the diocese to remarry in your faith. Okay. So depends right. on how uh, committed you are to that or, you know. So a couple more questions. We always get at the very last minute tons of questions. I would like to know if my ex has the right to ask for a statement from the CRA to find out how much we had received in CCB. Over X amount. CCB. Yeah, I don't know. Canadian, no, that would be CSB. Anyway, the CR, well, are they... Can they ask? You can't ask. uh, You ask the person to supply their documents Mm -hmm. from the Canadian Revenue Agency, but you you can't send a subpoena to the Canadian, or the Revenue Quebec for that matter, to get information on the other person. You cannot. You cannot. Okay. 
They they'll refuse. So they you have to get it from. But you the subpoena person. the person whose right. document it is to bring it, and they get it, if they're not going to bring it, they're going to have a problem in front of a judge. Okay, what happens if both parties realize they made a mistake and want to divorce a few months after the wedding? There are no assets to split, and both parties want to mutually divorce. Are they forced to stay together? Of course or, not. I guess for one year or whatever. I don't know. No, they can start the divorce proceeding. Uh, they don't have to stay together. Uh, whether the dis, you know, the judgment can still take a year. But again, mm-hmm. we can, you know, phone up Anthony and see mm-hmm. how long they've been separated. And but uh, this is a divorce after a few months, so it's yeah, a, it's after you know, a few months. But marriage. if you say that even from like the day after the honeymoon, they ceased being husband and wife, uh, right? They, you start adding they, if the they months. could say that. I'm not saying to say it. I'm saying mm-hmm. if they could say that. Uh, and by the time the paperwork's filed, and uh, it'll be a year done. soon, right? So, so you can do it the same way the sooner like you if, start the sooner it'll be right when you start the last time nobody you had, can force you to stay with somebody you don't want to be married right. to and the last time you had sex would be a good time to start as of the separation even if you stayed yeah right unless it was really bad sex and <laughs> well i'm not sure bad sex is the same thing listen you really just have to have be intolerable you no longer wish to be together yeah. So the arranged marriage person wrote, we haven't had any sex and we still don't live together. So they're, they've been married, well, but so they don't live haven't together. Well, so even maybe consummated, consummated and that marriage, would be enough. And that's a grounds for an annulment. Yeah. There it is. Uh, what's the difference between common law and civil law? I don't know if you can answer that in less than a minute. Well, common law is what happens in the other provinces and territories in this country, and civil law is what we have here in Quebec, and common law basically is a law that comes from us, from England, from Roman times, and all of that. It's not necessarily codified as Mm -hmm. opposed to the civil code, i.e. code. Mm -hmm. It's codified the law. Now, obviously, there are legislations and acts like the Family Law Act of Ontario that over time becomes, uh, in a sense, codified. But the idea is that there's certain um, uh, tendencies in jurisprudence that become the law by force of having been repeated as this is the tendency in that particular uh, branch of law, corporate law, contract law, Mm -hmm. trust law, as opposed to here where everything's much more, um, in a sense, regimented. So, and that's what would make it common in in terms of the common Common is because it's the common uh, 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 experience of the population Mm -hmm. that has caused that this is the norms that we're going to follow as opposed to here. You look up Article 25 and that's what it says here. Right. And so no common law in Quebec, only elsewhere. Okay. Correct. Got that. If I get married and own a home after a year I divorce, does my ex get half the house? No. Uh is a short answer and the uh, uh, more uh, detailed answer is that if you owned your home outright, no, Mm -hmm. but you can own it fully paid for, you can own it, you still had a mortgage. If you owned it with a mortgage and you 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 got married in you know since 1989 you are in family patrimony so there will be a value that you determine of the value of the house at the date of the marriage and then there is a value uh, ratio that you add to that for the value increase that that portion of the house would have increased in value in until the time year. you want to get divorced. Right. And you add that to the first value and that comes off before any split in the house. 
But let's say, but the house is owned. Let's say the house was $10. Right. And uh, $5 was the net value because there was a mortgage. Uh, But that $5 increased by $2 during the marriage. So it was really 7 bucks. So from the 10 buck total value, you take off the 7 bucks for the person that owned the house. And that leaves, what, $3 Mm -hmm. to divide in half, theoretically. Okay. Got it. Okay. It's more complicated so it, that, than that. But it makes we sense. We don't know if way. there was any inheritances, went in, renovations, whatever, blah, blah, right, blah, right, blah. Right. But that's the basis. And if it was totally owned, sense. and if it was totally owned without a mortgage, then it's completely out. It's completely out of yeah. that. You, it's unless, yours. You unless walk you away let with your it. other spouse put money into the house, like renovated and added right. this third floor and right. set it, et cetera. Right. Well, that's a very thorough answer and very simple. So thank <sighs> the pressure, you. The pressure. I know. <laughs> I totally got that for once. Thank you. (laughs) Happy holidays. Yes. Uh, Thank you so much for uh, listening to us and for your texts and questions. Thank you, of course, to Metro Linda Hammerschmidt, who will be back in December, hopefully, at the end of December. uh, Joyeux Noël, Feliz Navidad, all of that, but before La Jour de Nouvelle. That's right. Exactly. Uh, Thank you to Dave Simon, our technical producer. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or send me your emails, lori at drlori.com. Coming up next on CJD, the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.